Welcome, folks, to another edition of Desperately Seeking Entertainment. I am Chris Peterson, one of your hosts for this episode. Joining me, as always, is Mr. Ben Frawley. How are you, sir? What's up, Chris? What's up, people around the internet? I'm Ray. I am fired up for some entertainment. Chris, it's been a couple weeks now, you know. It's been a couple weeks, yeah. Yeah, we got the summertime, you know, vacations, family stuff, yada, yada, yada. But the kids are back. We're on the air. We're ready to tell you what we've been digging into. I hope you guys... I've been getting out, you know, oh, you know, you sit on the beach, you have fun with your kids, but, you know, when it's time for the kids to go down, I hope you're geeking out and watching mad Marvel stuff and watching crazy-ass movies with us. You know what I mean? Because it's adult time. Adult time doesn't just mean, you know, weird, cool stuff the kids can't, you know, do, but just... I don't know where I'm going with this, Chris. Just save me, okay? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, you know, I know this. I know that we've been you used to doing like a you know an episode a week, but you know sometimes when you get those yeah. when things happen. The good news is having kind of two weeks between episodes uh, leaves a lot for more content. You know, seeing more things, eating more things, listening to more things. So uh, I'm really looking forward to this episode. Uh, I got some great stuff on on my slate. I'm sure you do, folks. If you've never listened to this podcast before, what Ben and I like to do is bring some interesting things we've listened to, watched. You know enjoyed over the past couple of weeks, bring it to the podcast, talk about it. But I have no idea what's on his mind. He has no idea what's on mine. So everything you're hearing is genuine spontaneity. That's that's how we want to say it. So um Ben, kick us off, man. What's on your mind? What have you been seeing? What tell me everything. All right. First of all, let's let's talk about something that we've talked about for a long time. As you know, as you know, Chris, we're we're big fans of, of the ringer.com and their podcasts and stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bill mm-hmm. Simmons, you know, I check in on their podcast. We don't, you know, I check in on their podcast because I don't want to bite off everything that they do. You know what I mean? Right. Because, right. you know, they, they cover a lot of entertainment. But, you know, I'm proud to say I've been kind of sneaking. I've been spying on their podcast. You know, the the watch and the big picture and stuff. They ain't covering anything we're covering. I'm just letting mm. you know. And the buzz on the street and at the Emmys uh, and the Oscars says uh, we're kind of on point, Chris. Did you notice that, Chris? We had our end of the year best movies of the year. You know, best album of the year, best music, all that stuff. We were right. You know what I mean? <laughs> Those award shows swayed with us. I don't know. I feel like <laughs> reviewers kind of get too much in their heads. Um, but that being said, I digress. Mm-hmm. Bill Simmons makes some great content. He I'm going to give some kudos here. And, you know, I I, I appreciate the man uh, and the network that he's building. And one thing that you have to appreciate is his relationship with HBO. And I watched a movie called Woodstock 99, Peace, Love, and Rage. Oh, man. Uh, Chris, did you check this out? Dude, literally, it is like the thing I am going to watch with my wife as soon as we're done recording tonight. We've been having it. It's been in my my queue for the past, like, week since it's been out. Uh, I did listen to the, the initial podcast that, right. like, inspired it. And I know all about Winstock 99. So you're not necessarily spoiling anything for me if you want to talk about it. But um, I, I cannot wait to get into this because I, I am obsessed with Woodstock 99. Me too. Um, so let's 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 go back. And I think, you know, having a little personal story to this, having a little personal touch actually helps. So I work in, I live in central New York. I live 10 miles, literally 10 miles from where this occurred. Um, on the Griffiths Air Force Base base in Rome, New York. And I remember being a freshman slash sophomore in college. Mm -hmm. So, Chris, you weren't there yet. I think that... No, this was the summer. This was the summer going into my senior year of high school. Right. 
So I was there, and I remember there was a couple kids. You know, Elmira is not that far away from here. I remember there was a couple kids from this area, and they're like, oh, man, we're going to Woodstock 99. Can't wait. And they're wearing Woodstock T-shirts. This is the end of my freshman year. And I remember, you know, not much has changed in me, Chris, since 1999. I hope you don't, you know, hope you know that. (laughs) As as, As far as what I like and the content I'm into, I still loved Evil Dead 2. Still love Peter Jackson, pre-Lord of the Rings. I was just into this stuff, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And let me tell you, this this thing inside me has stayed constant. I love all music, except for pop country and the lineup of Woodstock 99, okay? And when we're talking about that, we're talking about Corn and Limp Biscuit and Seven Dust and just these awful, like, terrible bands that were just coming out, you know? So... Well, and I hate this kind of term, this new metal term that they lump System of a Down into. Because System mm-hmm. of a Down, for me, is one of the most culturally ethnic metal bands of all time. You know, they're Armenian from, like, L.A. Uh, and they get lumped into this shitty music <laughs> called new metal. And, like, they should be, like, ethnic metal or something. I don't know. They should just be, like, lumped into its own category. Anyway, this festival was just filled with shit music and everyone was just pumped <laughs> up for it and yep. i remember just these people that like they're like oh you should go i can get you tickets bit 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 i remember this and i was like i'm i don't want to go see any of this i don't want to go see any of this music you don't want to go see any of this music no nope. the people that were asking me to go and and the documentary will show it was just like this celebration to celebrate nostalgia it didn't make any sense like now Chris, you know I'm a YouTubing fanatic, and everyone on the air knows that. When I go YouTubing and we're in the basement hanging out with friends, I'll hit Woodstock 94 like a motherfucker. Oh, right? yeah. I'll hit Cranberries Live Woodstock is outrageous. Um, you're talking uh, Cypress Hill Live Woodstock 94 is outrageous. Nine Inch Nails Woodstock 94 is great. Um, they're just great performances. And then Traffic, Steve Winwood is there. Just outrageous and just, like, great performances and, like, diversity in performances you know you soft rock hard rock um nine inch nails like all over the spectrum this festival was just destined to be this crazy chaotic anarchistic explosion and they did not prepare for it um and it really captured this frat boy generation the Mm -hmm. same people that stormed the Capitol went to woodstock 99 Yes, yes. And they definitely made those ties in this documentary. Mm-hmm. People that were pissed off for not, for no reason whatsoever. Like this inner rage that they need to disperse and they didn't have anything to protest. In 1999, what are we protesting? This is pre-9-11. You know, the, the Gulf War is over. What mm-hmm. What is there to protest? We're actually prospering in America. <laughs> We're actually doing yep. great. Everyone's employed. And it is just kind of silly. Um, I don't know, Chris. It was eye-opening. It, and the thing that is shocking is that the interviews. Um, now, I didn't get to listen to the Woodstock 99 podcast. Did they have Moby on? No, they had uh, Jonathan Davis, though, uh, from Corn. Jo- Jonathan Davis is on this, too. Yep. Um, and, you know, it, it, I'm not going to point to him as the major problem in this. No. Because um, he's just one of the bands. I mean, I'm not going to point to Rage Against the Machine or Metallica. It, it's just, you know, I'm going to point to Fred Durst, though. 
Uh, I'm going to point to a lot of things in this documentary. And there's still one of one of the people that the organizers of Woodstock 99 is still sitting there and defending it to the end. Oh. It is really shocking. They have interviews with Moby. They have interviews with Jewel during this thing. Um, just talking about their experience and just this rageful, sexist, homophobic, racist group of people. Um, and then, you know, what was really weird for me is after I was done watching it, uh, Katie and I went to the casino, just not to gamble or anything, just to go to the, they, they have this like high end food court there. It's, it's phenomenal. I highly recommend it. Turning mm-hmm. stone is great. Um, and I kind of, this, this documentary puts you in this terrible vibe. Like you can't trust anyone around you. And I literally looked up and I scanned the room and I saw all these people that were probably like 50, 60, you know, we're probably the youngest people in the room. And I'm like, how many of these one, how many of these people were the sexual assaulters at Woodstock 99 that still live here? And two, how much were how many of these people were the sexual assault ease at Woodstock 99? And like mm. how many of these people are still traumatized to this day and probably <laughs> You know, going to programs like mine, like that are dealing with their trauma from this. It was that terrible. And like my coworker, Brian, watched it. He was like, dude, that was awful. He was like, that should have been called sexual assault, the documentary. It was fucking awful. Um, And look, Chris, listen, I've been to Hard Rock. uh, Chris, what's the hardest concert you've ever been to? Wu-Tang Clan and Rage Against the Machines. Wu-Tang Clan and Rage Against the Machines. Did you go to the Meadows? Was that the Meadows? Meadows. That was at the Meadows. Yeah. so, I mean, it's a hardcore concert. I think my friend TJ went there. Did they, did people kick out the fences yep. in the back? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've been to concerts. You know, I've been to crazy concerts. I've been to Guar. I've been to like Metallica. I've been, but you know, things happen. There's mosh pits that happen. I get it. But like, dude, this is a different level. This yeah. is a level of unpreparedness and a level of, rage that you've never seen at a concert mm-hmm. and it's scary it's 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 like a white supremacy rally on a tarmac yeah. where the tarmac's 130 degrees dude it high recommendation um and th- the best part of this documentary is they call it the music box documentary series and it says it's one of six so i don't know what other what other stuff they're they're gonna do or they just haven't thought of it yet but i'm so excited kudos to bill simmons um, probably definitely one of the best movies of the year here, here. Um, you know, I'm, I'm last year was my documentary year as far as like, you know, Tiger King being like one of the best things that I saw last year and most memorable at least, but this was actually hard hitting great commentary. And I thought it was just so appropriate to cover Chris, what are your thoughts after you listen to the podcast and how it relates to the time we live in right now? Great question. Great question. Well, I something you may not know about me, Ben, is I am a Woodstock fanatic. I don't know what it is about mm. like large scale music festivals. Not and this is a weird thing. I don't like I'm not I'm not a like a attendee. Like I don't it's not like I'm gonna go, but I love just the concept of playing music in front of hundreds of thousands of people and and the cultural impact of those things. So like when I was growing up, I was obsessed with the original Woodstock. Obviously, 94 happened right when I was like 13, 14 years old, which is like yeah, a perfect time right. for that to happen. Uh, and then 99 was just this, this awfulness. But um, <clears throat> there, there is something to be said that like 
about that crowd, about that time. I mean, we're in the midst, we're at the tail end of the Clinton era, which, you know, whether, I, I don't know what kind of impact, social impact the Clinton era had on the United States socially. I mean, who knows, but there's a lot going on. This is pre 9-11. Um, like another, you know, I listened to other podcasts uh, that Bill Simmons does. I kind of, they kind of hit upon this, but they talk about how like Fight Club kind of came right. out around this time and kind of talked about the same, just this toxic masculinity that was happening mm -hmm. in the air at the time. And for, for, for no other reason than just, just, I think it just was this simmering thing that needed outlets to go out upon. And I think music was the way that, you know, you did it. I mean, this is, you, like you said, this is the era of the mosh pit. You don't really see mosh pits before and not too much after this era. And I remember, I mean, I remember being at a high school dance and <clears throat> them playing uh, a corn song and like classmates of mine starting a mosh pit at a high school dance. So it's like, Right. It, it's it's there was something in the air at this time. I don't I I don't know the the cause of it, which is weird, but um, <clears throat> it felt like this was a tipping point. And I, you know, you look at you know the programming of '94 versus '99. I think <clears throat> I don't know how much they touch on this in the podcast and in the um, oh documentary. I, I know where you're Did going. They? A bunch. Yep. So the the pro if you look at the programming of '94, it has a lot of folks that were there at '69. And mixed in with some really popular groups nowadays, but um, <clears throat> you you still had this like air of um, peace, love, and music, and all this stuff. Stuff. So even like Rollins Band or Nine Inch Nails or Metallica right. are you know you're not seeing this right. level of anger and and angst that you saw in '99. And when when you look at just the the acts that were in '99, that would have no business being at 94 i mean no. here, here's a no. good example ben i'm just going to run down the, the the order oh you got the list oh good i, I was hoping you got the list yeah I, I was trying to list off off the top of my head because listen chris i like when we're in the man cave you have to come over when we have people in the basement because it's our favorite thing to do chromecast up which i've talked about a bunch and mm -hmm. there's so many great performances we just did a woodstock 94 cast one night when people were over and there's so much great music you can do it but go ahead go ahead there we go so on friday um, on the West stage and East stage. So you got two stages going simultaneously. Um, you've got The Roots, Insane Clown Posse, and George Clinton back to back to back on one stage. And then you've got The Offspring, or excuse me, you've got DM. This is actually even more ridiculous. The East stage, you've got Jamiroquai, which is like whatever, um, Live, Cheryl Crow, DMX, The Offspring, Corn, Bush. That's Friday on the other stage. Um, so it's, it's like, it's, they've got this weird, like switching yeah. between really extreme music, um, on that. End. And and it's not like, and like at Woodstock 94, a couple, if you watch some of the videos, a couple of people are like, Hey, you know, I've been a big fan of this guy. Welcome him up to the stage. And you have like someone that's going to perform later coming on stage with someone, you know what I mean? Like, right. There's no way that Cheryl Crow is going to go up with fucking ICP or something. Right. The next day, the next day, you on on the West stage, you've got Collective Soul, Los Lobos, Mickey Hart, Chemical Brothers, and then on the East stage, this is your Saturday. 
Okay. Talk about like up, like if you are someone that suffers from like any type of like mood change, like Saturday at Woodstock 99 must have fucked with you on a whole different level. <laughs> you have me at, I'm going to see two of those acts. I got Los Lobos and Chemical Brothers. That's all Chemical I have Brothers. so far. <laughs> so this is, this is Saturday on the East stage, which is considered the main stage. Ready? Kid Rock, Wyclef oh. Jean, Counting Crows, Dave Matthews Band, a lot of s'more set. Then you've got Limp Bizkit, Rage Against the Machine, and Metallica. The fact that you've got those three acts back to back to back at to close Saturday night, unbelievable. <laughs> like the mindset you have to. If you're like in the third row of Woodstock '99 at that point, and you're watching those these acts you're back to back, you're dead. Like, you're dead. Like I don't know how you're you do dead. it. You're literally you're, dead, dude. Like and there's no rows. You're crushed against the stage, and you haven't drank water for like five hours or something. Right. It's crazy, dude. All right, here's Sunday. Ready? Sunday oh. on the on the West Stage. Seven Dust, Ice Cube, Godsmack, Megadeth. Back to back to back. Oh, my God. <laughs> East Stage. Here we go. This is your Sunday. Again, if you're someone that suffers from mood, mood changes, good luck. You've got Al Green in the morning. You've got <clears throat> Al Green to Willie Nelson. To the Brian Setzer Orchestra, yes, we had that stupid um, swing music being oh. played at Woodstock. 99. Oh my God! You had Everlast, Elvis Costello, Jewel, Creed, Red Hot Chili Peppers, setting things on fire. Like <laughs> that's that's it. So it's just it's just from a programming standpoint, no wonder they had so many issues happen because of just the way that they program this thing. Uh, it is, it, it's terrible, Chris. It's just so terrible in the state of music and they go into it, but Chris, just let me just tell you. So like, you know, 2020 was a moment of reflection and nostalgia for all of us, right? Mm -hmm. Nothing new is being made produced on an entertainment level. And if you listen to this podcast through 2020, you probably heard us going back and watching some classic films or, you know. Uh, hey, you know, I've been digging through cult movies, and this is one from 1976 I haven't seen. You know, stuff like that. And let me tell you, and I got Spotify during the, co you know, the, the COVID pandemic because I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm going to pay $15 a month because I love music. Let's just do this, you know. And I've been listening mm -hmm. to a ton of pod or a ton of podcasts, ton of music. But let me tell you, the years of 1998 and 99 and 2000, let me just tell you the limited amount of music I listened to those. <laughs> to those years now grunge era 94 95 96 i'm all in and i think that you know and listen i'm not someone that doesn't listen to hard music like right now as we speak on the turntable i have pretty hate machine by nine inch nails it's sitting right there but i don't know there's something about that era that kurt cobain eddie vera eddie vetter trent reznor era where they were artists they were very artsy they were very introverted, artist, gothy, kind of, you know, sad bastard music in a way. Mm -hmm. And it just happened to be loud music. At the end of the 90s, and they show this in the documentary, the song, a song like, um, I'm not familiar with the song, Chris, but the song like Break Stuff by Limp Biscuit. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. It's one of the worst songs of all time. Yep. Uh, and in the song, He's mad for no reason or something. And he just wants to break stuff. It's it's the most dumb song of all time where you had, you know, a song 
like Alive, which is a hard rock song in 1993 by Eddie Vedder about his like childhood trauma and stuff and his father leaving as a kid. An actual deep song. You know, it just happens to be hard rock. The song could have been a folk song, and I think it was when he had the demo. I mean, that's why those guys were able to play acoustic unplugged in the early 90s. You know, there is no unplugged Limp Biscuit because it's terrible music. It's just awful music. And the one good thing um, that I could say about Woodstock 99, the one good thing is that it killed all these people's careers. Yes. It just killed them. Yep. It, it, and that's the best thing that that did it, is it just killed. And that's why I went back to that System of a Down thing. System of a Down didn't really get big till 2001. So thank God all those people just went away. And then those guys came out and was like, oh, all right. <laughs> Here's someone that's like cool, like n- not these dick holes, you know what I mean? So, Corn, Kid Rock, Limp Biscuit, they just got killed by this festival. And that's the best thing to come out of this festival is so awful and, and literally exploding all around them that literally, you know, it ushered in a wave of even more boy bands, which, you know, say what you will about boy bands, but not the worst music of all time, I guess. No. Nope. <laughs> And it kind of tipped the scale of just people were like, oh, my God, this is terrible music. And it kind of shined a light on the the art scene of 1999. And, you know, there's many spec. There's much speculation about how 1999 might be the best year of movies in our lifetime, in our newer mind left our lifetime so far. Um, But uh, music wise, it was terrible. Chris, great documentary. Great stuff. Bill Simmons. Um, he did great on the Andre the Giant documentary, which we talked about a lot on this. But I just thought that it was great to talk about this period of, of our lives. And no much, no matter how much, you know, I, I know that you show your child a bunch of music from this era and movies from this era. You know what I mean? And uh, mm-hmm. it's kind of good to shine a light on the stuff that you don't want to show your kids. <laughs> so yeah. that's what I'm going to sum up with, dude. Good stuff. Good stuff, man. Way to kick things off. All right, so for my first piece, Ben, uh, we are in the – we're recording this on a Tuesday night. We are deep into week two of the Olympics. Uh, The Summer Olympics have been going on uh, for the past week, uh, so to speak. And um, really interesting Olympics so far. Some surprises. You know, the United United States is doing really well. Um, But it's also great to see other countries like – get their first gold medals like philippines for instance got their first gold medal bermuda got their first gold medal ever so it's just fun I, i'm an olympic nutcase so i'm loving everything me this too. week me too you're here me, right? me, too. me too so um just wanted to kind of get a gauge for uh what you what what you think has become like really the story of the game is like some maybe some victories or some things that you've just noticed that you're like hey this is this is pretty cool to take a look at i'll just i'll kind of give you some some of mine that I've seen first. Um, first of all, it's weird to say this, but like uh, the U.S. women's soccer team uh, lost mm-hmm. the other day. They lost mm-hmm. to Canada, uh, so they will be playing for the bronze medal, which uh, ends their three Olympic streak of winning gold medals. Now, uh, there are a lot of people, obviously, very sad and upset, but I'm actually, in a way, like I'm also sad that they didn't win, but I'm also, in a way, like kind of happy. Because I felt like there are certain sports that the United States unfairly dominates in certain areas. 
or has dominated yeah. in certain areas where the parity amongst the countries just really hasn't been there. And when you have one country, I don't care if it's the United States or China or wherever, um, <clears throat> it's not necessarily, it doesn't make it fun to watch, so to speak. I like right. watching certain sports where it's like, you've got almost an even playing field and you know, you don't know who's going to win, which makes of course the victory all that more sweeter once your team wins. So if I'm looking at, at the women's soccer team loss as a, signal that maybe the parity amongst other countries in women's soccer has grown to the p point where it's like maybe the United States isn't the best anymore and I can look forward to, to seeing how the, the competition field is going to grow uh, in a couple of years. So that was the first one that I, I really liked seeing on that end. Also, uh, number two, uh, Simone Biles uh, pulling out of several events due to mental health issues. Here, here. Awesome. Good for her, honestly. Yeah. Um, Great. I don't, I don't know if you read in detail what happened, Ben, but she said that she had a condition or was going through something that every gymnast knows exactly what she's talking about when she says, she says, I've got the twisties. And the second yeah. that she said that, it was like, that was code. And every gymnast was like, oh my God, I get it. You shouldn't be doing this. Um, and for those folks who don't know, I mean, it basically means you don't trust your body anymore. You have no trust whatsoever when you talk about doing your flippy stuff. Um, it's like you you launch yourself in the air, and for a gymnast that usually has a hundred percent control of their body and knows exactly what their where their feet are supposed to be, what their arms are supposed to be, you are lost, and that is terrifying thought. Um, and there was a former gymnast. Her name was Dominique Mosciano, who competed in '96. Um, who showed a video, a really scary video of her doing, trying to do a balance beam routine while she was going through the exact th same thing that Simone Biles was going through. And it, and she landed on her head on the balance beam and fractured her spine. Um, and <clears throat> she, she got injured, got off the balance beam and was told by her coaches to get back up on there and to try again. And she did. Uh, and it just was, it just wasn't great. So, mm -hmm. Um, I'm so happy that Simone Biles did what she did. Obviously, you know, she came back and won a bronze medal later this week, but, um, I think that's going to do wonders for mental health awareness, yeah. uh, in, in professional sports. So, um, really good at her. And then finally, the one, the other thing that I've seen that I really like to see during these Olympics is the sportsmanship. There's a lot of sportsmanship in these games. A lot of people congratulating one another, um, helping one another, I don't know if you saw, there's a, a viral video going out between, uh, I believe, these two high jumpers um, who decided yeah. to share yeah. their gold medal. You see that? You saw that? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. It was awesome. Awesome. So I'm just loving, I'm loving the Olympics. I'm loving everything. Uh, I know a lot of people going in were very kind of either upset, nervous, whatever it is, uh, but I'm loving everything so far. And uh, yeah, there you go. Ben, your thoughts? All right. So um, a bunch, you know, um, we were watching a bunch at my parents over the weekend because they got the cable and we don't. Mm -hmm. So, you know, mooching off their cable was always good. Uh, so uh, so we watched a bunch of swimming. Uh, the men's did great. Uh, we watched uh, a bunch of track and field. We did great in those. Um, I, you know, 
it's one of those things that is just awesome because you get to root for USA and feel good about it. I just mm-hmm. love that so much. You get to root for your country. And like you said, Chris, this was always sketchy. You know, everyone was sketched out, whether you be athlete or people sitting at home. You're sketched out about the COVID thing. You're going into a country with 30 percent vaccination rate. It was sketchy. People were bowing out because of COVID. It was sketchy. You know what I mean? And mentally yep. wise, you know, we just got through last year, anxiety ridden and getting out of our houses. Sketchy, sketchy, sketchy. And so I'm glad that she bowed out. Um, I love the BMX street competition. Uh, we got to see some 15 year olds and 13 year olds, uh, compete for like gold medals. It was so awesome. I love the inclusion of more X games like, uh, sports. You know, I love, I love crazy sports from the summer Olympics. I love ping pong. I like the handball. (laughs) I love the water polo. I love all that stuff because those lesser known countries get to win. But now Chris. I'm glad you brought this up. Mm. Uh, this might be part of my YouTubing. There are two main winners. Three main winners of this year's Olympics. You ready? Mm-hmm. It's the network Peacock. Okay. And that's their new streaming service breaking off of uh, Hulu and NBC. And the two main winners, the two gold medalists are Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart. <laughs> Have you seen them interviewing people? Have you seen this yet? Mm-hmm. No, no, I haven't. I'm sorry. You no. haven't? Oh, my no. God, Chris. I was going to bring this up during YouTube. So I don't know if they do a full commentary, but they have this interview show where they interview the athletes and everything. They interview the guy from Tongo that came out all oiled up during the uh, the torch ceremony, and it's Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart uncensored, just swearing and stuff. It is possibly some of the funniest stuff you've ever seen in your life. And um, on YouTube, Peacock is is letting these things fly, and they're like six-minute clips. They are so funny. What, what's the one that I liked? Oh, my God. It was so great. Um, oh, they, they talked about equestrian. Uh, Snoop Dogg is wondering if equestrian is actually horse crip walking. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both cracking each other up. Snoop Dogg is drinking and smoking weed on the air, asking if uh, – Asking athletes if they've gotten any Japanese marijuana. Outrageous. Outrageous interviews. Chris, that has been my highlight of the Olympics. But, dude, I'm all in on the Olympics. Just like you disclosed that you're a big Woodstock person, I'm a big Olympics person as well. And I just love it. So go USA. Uh, Just keep it up. And it's just good to be out there watching sports as it has been the whole year. And just I I think a lot of the sportsmanship and camaraderie that you've seen is just – people being back together and being able to just kind of celebrate life kind of, you know what I mean? It sounds corny, mm-hmm. but that's what we're doing here. We've been trapped in our houses. It's great. Love it. Love it, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. What else you got this week? All right. Number two, number two, my number two might be my number one movie of the year, sir. Whoa. Okay. So me and the lady last night, we went to go see the green Knight. Oh, movie starring Dev Patel and directed by David Lowry. David Lowry is kind of an interesting filmmaker. He has, he's pretty brand new. Uh, he made a movie called Ghost Story. Did you see that? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Uh, interesting mm-hmm. kind of slow, weird movie, right? And I'm yeah. not going to say it was my favorite movie, um, but you could just tell that this guy had a style of his own, mm-hmm. and and you can just tell that when you see a filmmaker like that, that is just stylized. You're like, this guy is just kind of dancing to the beat of his own drum. Um, this guy 
took a story that is a very kind of Arthurian tale story that should have been straightforward. If anyone, if this story was in anyone else's hands, they would have done it straightforward with some action and made it almost like a superhero movie. This movie, The Green Knight, is just filled with mystique, style. The score is outrageous, dude. Like, the score of this movie was crazy. And Dev Patel's acting and, and all the other supporting cast around this movie is phenomenal. It is easily... By far, now listen, I know we have the French correspondent and I know we have Dune coming up, but this movie by far uh, is the movie of the year for me. Um, mm. I was in from second frame one to, to the last frame. I smell awards like crazy on this movie. This movie like went exceeded expectations at the box office. I think it made $6 million in one weekend, which is great for like a weird independent movie. Coming out like this, which has a couple names to it, but I thought it was phenomenal. Chris, have you? Ha, do you have any expectations? Have you heard about this movie? I have, and what's funny is like everybody who I know has either seen it or like is really into it has said like this movie is going to be like best picture nominee. Like, go see this movie. I mean, David Lowry is. Uh, it's one of those things that shame on me for not forgetting like his, his IMDb and just how much of his stuff I've seen. Uh, but like ghost stories, yeah. incredible. He actually did the, he did the live action version of peace dragon, which wasn't actually that bad um, when I saw it, right. but, but he did a short film, Ben, that I definitely encourage you to take a look at. It's called pioneer. Um, and it's a short film. I think you can watch it online. And it's just about a dad telling his son, like a bedtime story about how him and his wife met. And it's, incredible it's like 16 minutes long it's incredible and so like this guy knows how to do connectivity on screen like he knows how to make two characters really really connect together so i cannot wait to see green knight because if 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 like all of his other previous work is like this good um and like unique like this I, this is probably gonna be out of it out of my mind when i watch this movie yeah, it was. And now don't get me wrong. This isn't when I say film of the year, when I say that this is a film, this isn't like, hey, check it out. It's got Bruce Campbell. He's got a chainsaw for a hand. It's not like a, a typical <laughs> Ben. This is the greatest movie of all time. This is a film. This is it's a film. I, I can't tell you. This is why I love cinema. I love I love movies that I can watch on my back patio. You know, um, everyone can have a couple drinks and watch a crazy Nick Cage movie, right? Like, we can mm -hmm. all sit around and watch Willy's Wonderland. And then the same medium, the same exact, you know, we got actors, cameras, and script. You have a movie like this that is, now don't get me wrong, this is a slow-paced movie. It's not, you're going to go in and be like, Ben was right. So many people's heads got cut off. It's not like a crazy <laughs> action movie. I'm going to, you know, and then John McClane jumped off the roof. It's not a crazy movie. This is a film. Take your time, but enjoy it like a fine kind of brandy. You know what I mean? Let it sit on the tongue. This is this is something that while you're watching, you're kind of and don't get me wrong. You're not bored. You're along for the ride, but just you're marveling at the cinematography. Cinematography is out of control. It's a pretty movie. It's a pretty movie. It's filled with CGI that is so flawless that it doesn't take you out of the picture. You know that you're watching things that are CGI, but then actually actually digging into little IMDb, because I like when I see a movie, I go back and read some trivia. 
um, on IMDb, there's a lot of practical effects in this movie. And I was like, oh, shit, that was real when I was watching. I was like blown away. So there's a lot of movie magic in there. But at the same time, you have a very basic story. Um, Chris, are you familiar with an 80s movie called Sword of the Valiant? No, actually. It's 1983. Sean Connery's in it. Um, where And it's the same exact story you're going to see in this movie. So I actually saw this movie already. I actually know the story, and it's from Arthurian Tales. So it's a, it's a pretty basic story um, that we kind of read in college. If you took Dr. Schwartz, you read this story. Um, so you kind of know little pieces here and there. So that was kind of the fun part of it, too. It's not necessarily like the most overt Arthurian. It's not like, you know, Excalibur is going to get pulled from the stone kind of thing. It's not Sorcerer in the Stone. Um, but there is that mystique and... and I don't know magic to it, but the way that David Lowry points you to horror elements, weird sexual dynamics, uh, just weird storytelling, mystery, magic, um, morality. It makes the movie what it is. It makes it, Mm. it makes it less of a, like kind of like this fairy tale, like, Oh, it's a fairy tale, and we're gonna see some action scenes, and then uh, we'll get out of here. Like, like a mar- it makes it less of a Marvel movie. It makes it less Avengers Endgame, which is a great movie, into a film where you're like, this is not for kids. This movie is very heady. You need to have your head on a swivel while you're watching this. Everything means something in this movie. The ending, which I will not spoil, is as I thought about it today before the podcast. It makes you think, and it makes. I don't know. It's it just, it's great. It's, it's phenomenal, Chris. I can't say enough. So this is my movie pick of the year so far. I know we do movie picks at the end of the year, but it's gonna be hard to beat this one. I know we have the French correspondent and we have Dune coming up. Um, but there you go, Chris. Uh, are, are, Chris, little follow up. Are there any movies that you're looking forward to right now? Oh my God. Way to put me on the spot. Um... I know a bunch. I know a bunch of trailers just dropped. I, I, it was like trailer day, like like two days ago. They all came out. Did you see the trailer for the um, the um, oh god card counter? Is that the name? Of yes. The yep. How about um, that movie? How about Paul Schrader, true. directed by Paul Schrader? That's the guy that wrote Taxi Driver, right? That's right. Oh my god. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. It's it's weird because like we're in this weird like hybrid situation where like we're going to get movies that we're supposed to get two years ago and like yeah it's just a weird calendar but like obviously you know let's not i'm not even gonna get into the marvel property because obviously i'm excited about the marvel properties but beyond that i mean the ghostbusters thing is really interesting to me um i cannot wait for the suicide squad which comes out this weekend by the way folks oh yeah HBO Max. yeah oh. uh, getting getting ridiculously good reviews uh for that so that's gonna be looking forward to that um i also i never would have i never thought i'd say this but like um uh like dune the remake of dune is looks really interesting and i, I yeah that's a that's a movie that i love the original of and i'm like okay maybe i'm not gonna really get into it but um yeah, no, really looking forward to that one. And um, there's a movie with Jessica Chastain where she plays uh, Tammy Faye Baker, uh, which looks really good. Um, it's called The Eyes of Tammy Faye. And it's no him. way. 
Yeah, oh, I haven't heard her. about that one. Oh, you haven't heard this? So it's Jessica Chastain as Tammy no. Faye Baker and Andrew Garfield as like, her husband who's in the closet. But I'm excited about this movie because it's getting Oscar buzz already. And it's directed by my man, Michael Showalter from The State and Wet Hot American Summer and all these things. No way! No <laughs> yeah. way! Tammy <laughs> Faye. Oh, my God. So up. he's uh, – and it's already – yeah, it's already getting Oscar buzz – um and just the fact like oh just God, the fact look at her yeah holy looks, snap dude looks just like her and it's got and the the cast is ridiculous i mean cherry jones vincent d'onofrio um not enough not enough the state and what had american summer alumni but that's okay um <laughs> <laughs> that's all right well it's not a david wayne picture it's a david it's a michael soul yeah I mean, why, why can't you just put Michael Ian Black or Thomas Lennon in there somewhere? I don't know. But anyway, um, but yeah, no, I think we're going to get... Or David like, Hyde Pierce. <laughs> oh, fuck my cock. Oh, Beth. <laughs> you know this. <laughs> oh, talk about perfect movies. Um, yeah, oh, no. baby. So... <laughs> baby, you want it. Your dream. Oh, my God. I love that movie. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, that's that's... We're gonna get a whole slew of awesome movies over the next couple months, so I'm very excited about it. So good stuff. Yeah, man. I feel I feel like yeah, dude. I just felt like the trailers before this movie got me excited too. There's a movie coming out called Lamb. You see the trailer Ooh, for that? No. Oh, tra- <laughs> has oh uh oh my god, has the 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 woman from Prometheus in it? Oh, and, okay, yep. Uh, she was in uh, the girl with the dragon tattoo. That chick. She uh, this movie looks trip out it's an a24 movie so was the green knight movie i mean a24 i love a24 i love oh, it yeah. the ari oster studio you know what i mean and you could just feel right from the first frame of the green knight that this was an a24 movie i just i love that a studio has their own style you know what i mean it, it, you know you're in for like a wild ride when you go so good stuff chris green knight four stars five star whatever our rating is go see it go see it in the theaters you will not be disappointed Love it. Good stuff, man. Actually, I'm going to switch my order of my things to kind of segue off of what you're saying, uh, because this is also kind of movie related. And so I don't I don't delve too much into my personal life on this podcast, but I will delve a little bit into it. So in addition to doing this podcast and on stage blog, I work for a school called the Savannah College of Art and Design, better known as SCAD. Uh, They are based in Savannah, Atlanta, Georgia. And um they're known as being kind of a, excuse me, creative industries type of school. So they do everything from animation, fine arts, um, you know, photography, film, fashion, the whole thing. Arts. Anyway, um, they are, you know, because they're situated in Georgia um, and the film industry in Georgia has exploded, uh, they are, you know, starting to do some incredible updates to their facilities. Now, this might sound like me plugging the Savannah College of Art and Design. And technically, I kind of I am. However, it, there is a point to this. There <laughs> That's is a fine. Point. I mean, can this I, is I can okay. promote my clinic on the pod. It's there fine. you go. There you go. So you and I both are huge fans of The Mandalorian. And we absolutely of love course. The Mandalorian. And we both know how they film The Mandalorian on that virtual reality soundstage, and which is going to change the way filmmaking is done forever. Well, oh, forever. I found out that my school, the Savannah College of Art and Design, are building not one, but two of those sound stages on our campus. So students will actually get to film 
on the exact same set as the Mandalorian and which is incredible. Not only that, uh, they are also, they are also going to build or in the midst of building a 10 acre Hollywood studio style backlot on their campus as well. So students will basically have like the town square of back to the future to film on, on a college campus, which is preposterous to think about on paper. Um, those wow. two, huge, right? Huge. Fucking, all right, couple things, Chris, before you continue. All right. One, we're going, dude, we're going back to school. <laughs> that's, Ronnie that's Dangerfield true. style. I'm going back to school. <laughs> two, are you saying they're going to let us film the podcast on those things? Absolutely. Well, that's, that's what yeah! I was going to do. Nice. You got the plug in? Got the plug in. And our school, we're coming. We're, ju- we're going to do the podcast in the town square with stuff exploding behind us, like well, pyrotechnics. On the um, desert where the Mando is. With that on the Mando. <laughs> Ridiculous. The reason I bring this up, Ben, yes, is sorry, that yeah. with, with the industry going the way it is and how we're kind of expanding into the future, I, I feel like not just SCAD, but every single art, like film school, should be doing the exact same thing. And if they're not, what are you doing? Like how, you like, doing? like you're setting your students up for failure by not having these types of opportunities available to them to study on. Like these students that come to SCAD, again, I, I, I really hate that I sound like I'm doing commercial here, but I, I swear I'm not. No, um, you're right. Are, I mean, I mean, I mean, I bet you USC has it too. You know what I mean? Yeah. I bet you, yeah, right. Like if you're not going there or there, like. What are these other schools doing? Like, listen, I, I get what you're saying, Chris, because I went, you know, there's the Newhouse School in Syracuse. Yeah. And when I went back to school for communications, OCC, uh, Onondaga Community College, had their leftover equipment. And I was like, dude, uh, and it was like one sixty fourth of the cost of Syracuse University. So I was like, I'm going there for two years for five grand. Sounds good. <laughs> I'm going to pay this <laughs> off with next week's paycheck and I'll be educated. Um, so that's why I went there because the technology was just as good as Syracuse. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, the way that the industry and entertainment field is going, if you're not going to a school with at least one of those things, like, what are you doing, dude? I, I, doing? I totally agree with you, dude. So I, I just want to mention this real quick because, again, like we said, this I, I fully believe, and I've, I've heard it the same from industry professionals that visit SCAD and everything like that. There has literally never been a better time since like the 1920s yeah. to get into film and television. Because of streaming networks, the demand for new content on a monthly oh. basis is at an all-time high. Um, I had a, a, a no joke. I had a, uh, a first AD who works on a lot of stuff in Atlanta, tell me that they there's a massive crew shortage in Atlanta. They don't have enough crew to work on all these projects. So he's pulling students from various schools that are seniors that have been trained on certain pieces of equipment. <laughs> like bio majors. Like bio, bio majors. majors. Work, a, work a crane somewhere. Look, can you, can you just lift this or turn that? Oh, do you need me to bisect this organism? No, <laughs> fucking lift the crane with the camera on it, all right? <laughs> Go, you know, so... To anybody out there who has said, like, don't get into film or TV because it's too terrible, blah, 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 screw that. There's never been a better time, both in front of the camera or behind it. There's never been a time, better time to get these fields. And, and if you're going to go, I, I, go I ahead. Love the, I love the percentage. Yeah, dude. I love the percentage of 
the most popular, most financially successful things going on right now between the walking dead and Marvel cinematic universe being filmed in Georgia too, Chris, right? Oh, Isn't that it. what you're getting at? Jesus. I love it, dude. It is. So our campus in Atlanta is right next door to the church. They filmed uh civil war. In. Uh, so Peggy Car Cardle's funeral. That's the church that's right oh, yeah. next to the school. And the parking lot of that church is where Marvel puts all of their trailers for the actors when they're filming in Atlanta. So I was down in Atlanta while they were filming Hawkeye. And I literally saw like cast members of Hawkeye, not Jeremy Renner, I didn't get to see him, but like getting out of their trailer while I'm walking to get coffee. Like it's just, it's such a weird, surreal place to be in right now is, is Atlanta when you've got all these things. So here's another good example. So we watched Loki, right? So we yeah, loved, right. That, was, that was cool. The the building of the TVA. Well, like, you know, it was all right. I mean, I, right. you know, I, was... I don't want to be a hater on. <laughs> like, I know, it's good. It's good. It was good. Yeah, okay. right. it was all right. Good. Yeah, it was cool. fine. I'll give it a cool. cool. I'll give it a cool. cool. I mean, Green Knight, um, brilliant. Uh, Loki, cool. We'll give it a cool. Loki, cool. cool. So they filmed that big, gigantic building that they filmed as the interior for the TVA. That's actually the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta. And there's like literally no CGI done in that shop, by the what way. What the hell? It, it, it literally looks like that on the inside. Um, so Atlanta is just a really cool place to film. And again, if you're a student, if you're a high school student that wants to, to go into the film industry, you have to go to school where the film industry is happening. And that is happening primarily in Atlanta. LA and then New York, well, not really so much anymore, but but those are really the three big places you gotta go. Um, so yeah, go go where the action is. Go go to a school that's gonna give you those opportunities. Places like SCAD, USC, um, right. New York Film Academy, they're all doing it the right way. So there you go. Yeah, you know what, Chris? I mean, just I mean, not to brag, not to boast, but I you know, I, I, I've auditioned for multiple pieces in the man cave, the man cave that I'm podcasting with you, you know, and I've mm -hmm. landed roles. Like I put my phone up on the thing, read a part to the phone, made it into an MP3 and sent and landed roles. I mean, there it is. if you can do that from central New York and these were New York city, big budget movies. Like if I can do that from the, my basement, then if you're not going to a school that can help you in that way, technology wise then what are you doing with it what are you doing yeah what like what is it you know what i mean like I, I just i don't know dude it's just it's good it's good to go to a school to learn the craft to learn acting but in this day and age like when you can just upload monologues on youtube for fun uh, why not i, I don't know why not there yeah. it is there it is my friend good stuff chris all right what else you got all right chris Giant, I mean, I would love that he's a friend of the, I was just going to say friend of the pod, but <laughs> I would love that this man is a friend of the pod. But uh, we're, the pod is a friend of him. Bob Odekirk, dude, oh, yeah. mm -hmm. had a, had a heart, heart, heart thing, a collapsed yeah. on set on the final season of Better Call Saul. I just want to give a shout out and our, our love and our prayers. What do you want to say to Bob? Um, I think he's doing well. Everyone says he's doing great. David Cross came out and said Bob's doing great. Um and Chris, break down how much Bob Odekirk means to your love for entertainment. Oh my God. How, when was the first time you remember seeing him? Jeez. I'm going to put you on the spot on this one. You're I'm going to, I got to think of it too. I'm going to think of it too right now. Well, actually, as I was asking the question, I don't know my answer. <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm trying to think if I saw him in anything like earlier than Mr. Show. Like that's that goes back pretty far. Mr. Show is like what early early two thousands. Um, 1999 or something 19, like that. Right? Yeah, yeah like, right. so that's yeah. that goes back pretty far. Um, I mean, I know he was on, like, I know he was involved with SNL in like the early 90s. Um, oh, you know what? There, here it is. I, I, I just I pulled up his IMDb real quick and just saw exactly what I knew him from. Uh, he was on the Ben Stiller show, and I used oh, to watch. Oh yeah. Oh he, my God, yeah, that's my answer too. Correct. I mean that's like one of the greatest like like casts of of imp- like of sketch comedy ever assembled. Period. Um, so. So wait yeah. wait 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 we got Ben Stiller, Janine Garofalo, Bob Odenkirk, and who's the fourth? Andy Dick. Andy Dick. Oh my God. Oh, of course. Yeah. Okay. Oh my back, God. Back when back when Andy Dick was really good at what he did. Um, right. <laughs> right. Jim uh, John F. O'Donohue, who who a lot of people probably recognize if you saw him. So yeah, yep. just a really and Judd Apatow. Yep. Judd Apatow was on a bunch oh of episodes. So, um, yeah, I forgot how much I freaking loved the Ben Stiller show. Uh, yeah, but, I mean, uh, that I mean, since we were kids, I mean, and that was part of that block of Living Color, Parker Lewis can't lose, Ben Stiller show. Yeah, that yeah. block in The Simpsons and, and that just block of comedy on Fox, which was so influential and just filled with writers like Conan O'Brien and Bob Odenkirk and and all those stuff. I mean. And when you go back and watch old sketches on um, on Saturday Night Live, like the, I think he's in the crowd. Uh, Chris, you remember the sketch, the Mr. Belvedere fan club? <laughs> yes. I think I think he's one of the guys in the back. <laughs> that sketch is so outrageously funny. It's great. Well, uh, let me ask you this, Ben. I mean, this is, and you, you kind of asked me about my my like overall legacy or impressions of Bob Odenkirk, he is on a short list for me that if I see him pop up in anything or his name attached to anything, it's automatically, it elevates whatever I'm watching. Like he automatically yeah. elevates whatever he's involved with. Like he, he did an episode of the league that, that show in the league that about fantasy football. Oh where, yeah. Where he oh, plays yeah. like an anti-Semitic mall manager. It's yeah, so right. it's it's so freaking good, like him and Nick Kroll just going back and forth to each other is like a symphony. Um, the, to learn the fact that he was the finalist, it can't like so. Michael Scott in the office came down between him and Steve Carell. It was going to be one of the mm. two of them. Like, can you imagine what that would have been? Like, completely different show, completely different character, but I think it would have been better show. Brilliant. <laughs> maybe better who knows um i'm just putting it out there no, I'm, <laughs> now listen I'm, now this is a hot take ben's hot take for the week not a fan of the office wow okay write that down just, um right. and, and uh, yeah <laughs> chris like we, moving on we're gonna we lose just, viewers we just, lose, listener. We just uh, lost uh, all of all of pennsylvania thanks thanks man we just lost pennsylvania god damn it uh, <laughs> No, and, and and it's not has nothing to do with Steve Carell or the show itself. And I hear that it gets better second season. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it does. But uh, the first season lost me because I was like, is it supposed to be a reality show? Why is everyone talking to the camera? It just confused me. I didn't yeah. understand. I don't know. All but right, it has right. just technical. Yeah, all right. It's a hot okay. take. It's a hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Hot take. Uh, so, but I don't know. For me, Chris, <laughs> I'm with you. 
Bob Odenkirk, he elevates everything, comedy and drama. When he yeah. started showing up on Breaking Bad, and really, which was his first serious dramatic role. He's been in things here and there, but this was a dramatic role. And then Better Call Saul, I haven't missed an episode. I think that is still one of the greatest shows on TV right now and carrying the torch of the golden age right now. And we've talked about Better Call Saul and Billions on the show. Um, and I just think he elevates serious roles and comedy roles. And a movie like Nobody uh, that he made this year really showed that he can play serious straight and comedy he's kind of one of those pioneers and you know how we've talked about they always talk about at the academy awards how comedy is never really appreciated it's never really there's not a lot of oscars for straight comedy movies you know like right. Step Brothers didn't win a lot of oscars Did, how many oscars was it nominated <laughs> <laughs> I, I, you know, I can't, I can't get to my phone right now to tell you how many Oscars it won, but I could say right. it's pretty low, right? Um, so between him and Jordan Peele, you have two ambassadors in the from the comedy world coming over to the dramatic world, which is awesome. Kind of hiring people and spotlighting people that are known for their comedy, being able to bring like the drama in like very serious movies. And I just hope we see more of that crossover because it's, it's great. You know, it's bad when it's forced. It's bad when there's a dramatic Eddie Murphy role and he's trying to be a serious actor or Jim Carrey or even Will Ferrell, my man. It, it's not good when they try to mm -hmm. force it, but there's only a few actors that can do both. And uh, for me, Bob Odekirk is one of the best actors that came from the comedy world that has showed that you can do comedy and switch over to drama. And 100%. he continues to, yeah, he continues to do it today. And so my thoughts and prayers go to him. Bob, go get well. We want to see the last few episodes of Better Call Saul. We want to see you keep working and writing and just elevating everything. And take it easy. You know what, man? You made Saul. You made The Simpsons. You made SNL. You made, you know, Van Damme the River sketch. Go relax. Go retire. Pop up in movies here and there. Get a, a couple, you know, uh, I don't know, a couple Academy Awards for being in something for 10 minutes. And just relax, all right? It's going to be okay. Yeah. That's all I can say. This is peace and love. <laughs> exactly. Peace and love, peace and love. Take a break. Take a breather. Take a breather. Yeah. Yeah, you're working really hard, buddy. And, like, he worked, exactly. he, he's he got to be, like, what is he, 60? And he worked, he, did you see the movie Nobody yet, Chris? I haven't. Oh, he got in shape for that one, dude. Not like ripped up shape, but you got a sense that, you know, 20 years ago, this guy could fucking handle himself kind of shape. You know what I mean? So nice. Uh, nice. definitely worth a watch. So, yeah. All right. That was my third piece. I just we always talk about we drop, you know, references to Mr. Show. Chris, before we get out of the segment, do you want to drop a Mr. Show reference? Um, um, God. What do you want to do? Uh, let's do. um. Dad. I ain't afraid. I ain't afraid of no roller coaster. Dad, I'm gonna go die now. <laughs> Doing the mustard mayonnaise. <laughs> it seems like I'm spreading my life too thin. <laughs> um, what's that? Oh God, when they're trying to do the lie detector thing, and he's like, "Oh, I'm so angry because oh. I realized." <laughs> oh, um, all right. Uh, how about this? Um, I'm a control freak, but because I was molested by my parents. It didn't. It didn't say anything. Oh, what a breakthrough! That's the fucking best. That's the best. 
Hey, yeah, is this thing even on? Yeah, remember this guy kissed his brother. <laughs> oh my god, it's the best. Best show ever. I love it, man. Best Good show. stuff. Uh, real, real quick. Finally, again, this is going to be a plug, a definite plug for me. But um, if you haven't seen Ben on Apple TV, there's a show called Schmigadoon, uh, which is a very weird. What it, wait, yeah. what? It's called. What's it called? Schmigadoon. 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 Um, yeah, it's a it's a weird title, but um, it's basically it's a musical TV show, um, which kind of spoofs movie musicals of the past, and it's about this couple played by uh, Cicely oh, um, Keegan and Keegan Cicely. Uh, what the heck is uh, Cecily is? Strong? Cecily Cecily Strong. Strong. Thank you. I was about to say Tyson. And I was like, no, nope, that was wrong. Uh, oh, Cecily, look at this cast. Strong. Yeah, ridiculous cast. It's about a couple that basically goes for a hike in the woods to basically as a like a couple's therapy activity and they get kind of get stuck in this like mystical town where like again they're, they're trapped in a musical everybody's singing everybody's dancing um and, and things like that and it's it's created by Barry, Barry Sonnefeld. Sonnefeld. oh my yep. god dude my man my man Barry Sonnefeld. yeah wow so I will say this is it is it phenomenal no is it All very right. is it good Yes, if you're someone that knows musical theater, uh, you will love it, like myself. So, it, it just because it, it does subtle subtle references to movie musical of the past, what has aged well, what has aged poorly, things like that. You've obviously got a very very talented cast um, on that end, but um, yeah, it's I definitely recommend it for anybody who loves theater, musical theater. It's you, you'll get a lot of the inside jokes. Um, which which are plenty uh, on this show, nice. and if you love if you love Barry Sonnenfeld like I do, like I mean the guy, the Adams Family, Men in Black, Pushing Daisies, I mean all that stuff that I love, f- especially from a stylistic point of view. Um, misery, misery, <laughs> come on now, um, <laughs> he's awesome. So like I'm just I just like you know if you said Barry Sonnenfeld, I'm usually in on that alone. Yeah, so, I've yeah. heard that name in a while. Nice. Yeah, so definitely check it out if you get a chance. Oh, it's beautiful. I mean, listen, we just re-upped the Apple TV to get back into Ted Lasso, so I'll check that one out. Nice. There we go. Yeah, there we go. Nice. Good stuff, man. All right, let's get into it. Let's go YouTube. And what do you got this week? All right. Let's pull up the YouTube app. The Eyes of Tammy Faye trailer is sitting right here. I got to check that out. Oh, my God. All right. Hold on. <laughs> All right. We got a couple. So, like I said, check out on YouTube the Snoop Dogg and Kevin Hart interviews. The uh, the uh, the interviews with the athletes, they're all over YouTube. They're phenomenal. Um, but one thing that I want to talk about is. Um, oh, I only got a couple this week. Wow, I only got. Wow. OK. All right. I got one. I got one big one. It's called um, Can VFX Artists Follow Bob Ross in Real Time? So the Corridor Crew. The guys that do VFX order, uh, artists react. Chris, you've seen those, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they usually watch stunts, and they have real stuntmen on the couch. Like, they have, like, that guy, Guy that does the Black Panther stunts, and they have, like, all real stuntmen, they watch, like, stunts. Um, this one's called Can VFX Artists Follow Bob Ross in Real Time? It's 1947. And what these guys do is they watch an episode of Bob Ross, and they see if they can recreate the Bob Ross painting that he paints in 30 minutes on 
their computer programs, whether it be like Photoshop and VFX and Unreal Engine, and see what they can come up with. What happens at the end is really fascinating, and it really shows the kind of artistry that goes into making computer-generated graphics. And um, I love the video, love it so much. It's something that I used to do like a long time ago that I don't do anymore. And these guys are just, it's similar to what I used to do, but like it's so beyond me. So they gather a bunch of brushes, they do a bunch of things, but the end result is great. And it's actually really funny to watch them. And they actually really do it. So they're given a certain amount of time to gather their materials. Um, and then when the episode starts, they have to start building. And then 30 minutes later, they get to show what they built. And it's really cool. So that is my YouTubing recommendation for the week. Nice, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Uh, well, for mine this week, Ben, um, I don't know how much I've ever told you about this, but I'm a huge poker player. Um, it's, it's a passion. It's something that's gotten to me into trouble. It's also, you know, won me moderate riches and things like that every now and then and, but I, and yet and and yet we haven't played together yet yeah i know that's that's ridiculous that's ridiculous that's, that's ridiculous that's, even the online we should just get in the little online thing i agree i agree so um <laughs> high, every, stakes. Every, high stakes pinky fingers i mean i live i live a half an hour from ohegan sun so i'm usually there a couple times a month playing poker i go to vegas at least once a year that's all i do is play poker but anyway um there is a great channel out there. It's called Fury TV. Mm-hmm. Fury TV, all one word. And they've got some great, um, like, short videos that show you, like, like the five, like, most ridiculous hands of poker. Like, the five times Daniel Negreanu, like, c- correctly predicted what the person had across the table from him. So they're just great, great compilation videos. That, is. This is great. Um that just have some great, like my, my couple of mine are like the top five, like outbursts, like people just getting so angry. Like they want to flip the table um, things like oh, that. A, a, a top four, most iconic fights of all time. Oh man, right. that sounds great. Um, so it's, it's like top, I'm looking at a video right now, top six, luckiest runner, runner poker hands, things like that. So it's just like, if you love poker, if you understand Texas Hold'em and things like that, um, this is a great, like website because again like the things that you love to see on tv uh the story like you hear the legendary stories of bad beats or amazing hands and things like that this is where you can see them all kind of in one channel so um i definitely recommend it also i also definitely recommend not you know going to play poker too much because it can can lead you down some dark places but uh just be smart when you're gambling but yeah definitely um Fury TV is a great, great place. Chris, to take, to watch all this. Chris, let you know. Let's go. You know, Chris, as you know, I'm a mental health counselor. Okay. Please. And we're in a safe space right now. Okay. Yep. You got any? Uh, what's the craziest superstition or ritual or thought you have about sitting at a poker table to increase your luck for the next hand? Oh, okay. You got like, uh, if I keep this chip in my pocket kind of thing, yep. I'm going to win tonight. Or what What do you got for me? All right. This is this is my 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 two pieces of things that I absolutely live by at every single time I play the poker. Here it is. Um, I will do I will do the same chip trick in my hand every single hand. So I don't change it. Um, I do what's called. I don't and know what is the, it. What is it? So I don't I don't know the proper term for it, but I call it the Lashif. It's basically what if you watch Casino Royale, the James Bond movie, yeah, the, the chip trick that the villain is doing, I I can do that. Like so over like, his, the top of his fingers, it rolls exactly. down like a ladder. Oh, I yep. I can do. You can go over your pinky. 
Yes. Oh wow! I can never get over my. I have like I have a I have a half dollar right here. I'm trying to do it. I can't yeah. go. How do you go over your pinky? That's it's crazy. it's it's like a little bit of a kind of a flip leverage. Oh thing, okay. Yeah. So I do that. I also do the simpler one where I'm just like, it's like almost like putting the the chip, kind of sliding it over my hand. Almost like, so it looks like almost almost like loading a gun, like bullets into yeah. a, in a in a, a clip, so to speak. Oh, gotcha. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Um. So I do that. I don't change it up. I I only do that chip trick. Um. And also, if if like anybody I'm with in the poker room, so if I walk into the casino with my wife or my friends, things like that, they are not allowed to touch me, physically touch me at the table. Like if they want to come up and say, "Hey, we're gonna, we're gonna go get some dinner." For. That's yeah. what I was waiting for, buddy. That's the good stuff right there. Like if they come in the poker room and see me, like, "Hey, we're gonna go get some dinner," or "Hey, we're gonna go get some drinks." You want to come? You know what? Text me. Wait. You know, tell me that from a distance. Do not <laughs> physically touch me. And it is. A, here's the true story, Ben. Here's what happened. Yeah. I was playing one-two poker. I was at a casino. I was in um, Fox. I think it was Foxwoods rather than Mohegan. Mm -hmm. Doing. I was doing great. I was up like at least three hundred. I sat down with two, so I'm. I got like five hundred in my uh, my, you know, stack there. I'm feeling really good about myself. My wife comes in. God, God bless her. Love my wife. She love comes up behind love me. her with all your heart. I love her too. She's a great woman. My woman. She was a little. She was a little inebriated at the time. A little bit. Of, she had had a couple. She comes up to me oh, no. and doesn't doesn't just put her two, like two hands, maybe one hand on the shoulder, two hands. She hugs me from behind, like bear hugs me from behind around my neck and gives me like a huge kiss on the cheek. Do you do you want to know what I did, my friend? I literally what the, the very next hand I pushed in my chips. I said, uh, "Cash me on. I'm leaving." And, oh, good for you. You knew it. You knew it was and, gonna be bad, Mojo. And here's the funny part. The guy next to me said, What are you doing? You're doing so well, blah, blah, blah. The guy next to him says, Don't you just see what happened? His wife just gave him a hug. He's gotta get the fuck out of here. So, <laughs> no, he knew. He knew. He knew the that other guy he knew. knew that too. That's great. <laughs> he knew. So there you go. There you go. That's <laughs> See that's what that's, that's why I love the poker room because no matter no matter what people do in the program, there's always going to be someone else that gets why you're doing what you're doing. Yeah. And yeah. So there you go. Needless yeah. to say, we need to play poker sometimes. So. Yeah, we do. You know, so I have the exact. Uh, I am the I am the guy that drives real poker players crazy. I just know enough to not know what the f I'm doing. <laughs> And so the the more I don't give a shit about what's going on on the table, the better I do. Like, I'm just, like, looking for the food girl, the drink girl. I'm just looking around. Uh, are you in? Uh, I don't know. I haven't looked at my cards. Hold on. Like, oh, I'm that God. guy. I'm that guy. And, like, I win, like, $1,000 if I act like that. The more I get into it, the more I lose. And so that's my theory right there. So um, let me – let. I'm going to talk to you because there might be a, a, a local game we might be able to get into. I don't want to blow up their spot on air, but you know, I'm going to. It's down in uh, around the stores area, Connecticut. So we're gonna we're gonna meet up someday, sir. Okay, good to know. Yeah. Good to know. I love it. All right, well, that's going to do it for this week on Desperately Sinking Chamber. But Ben, thank you so much as always. And folks, uh, you can check this out on the Onstage Blog Podcast Network at onstageblog.com. You can also follow us on Facebook. 
uh, please join us on Facebook. We're going to post some good stuff on there as well. Uh, and we are kind of just going through a kind of a dog days of summer here, but and starting on September 1st, we're going to completely kind of revamp um, the look of the site, the podcast section, all that fun stuff. So be on the lookout for that because uh, things are going to be growing in a good way. Can't wait to, uh, to keep it going. But um, anyway, folks, that's it. We'll see you right here next week on Desperately Seeking Entertainment. All right.